3: Ibrance 125-milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2-NBC negative as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit iBrandt's.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills,
0: From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open. You be queen. You were fired. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters. They called you wisdom. Proverbs on the backs of diamond-eyed schoolchildren who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise, be smart, be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone, and prayer be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, wife told her daughter and daughter told the ancestors and the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come dropping Dropping
3: gems.
4: Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. As always, I'm your host, Debbie Brown. I want to give a huge shout out to everybody that hits me up on Instagram after every episode. I love hearing from everybody. And I really appreciate you taking the time, whether it's a DM, a message, leaving a rating or review on iTunes. Um, I'm just deeply, deeply grateful for your participation in this show as well, uh, especially for the ratings and reviews. So if you don't like the show, don't rate it. If you like it, (laughs) go ahead and click on that five-star joint. All right. So today we are on episode number, my God, episode number 12. Uh, and as always, I'm joined by a special guest because that's kind of the concept of this show, conscious conversations with familiar faces, primarily people that matter to me, um, that I have large, beautiful conversations within regular everyday life, and we just take a moment to do it on purpose with a microphone. So without further ado, this episode, I am joined by one of the most hilarious, (laughs) hardworking, Uh, cynical sometimes,
3: Uh,
4: (laughs) (laughs) generous, talented superstars in Los Angeles. And that is my dear, dear friend, DJ Head.
1: West Coast.
4: Welcome, welcome hey, to the show. I
1: finally made it up here. Oh, you know, I finally been invited. You know, this is an elite class of uh, human beings to touch this, this podcast. So,
4: Well, I will say you're accurate on that. Yes, um, I
1: already know. I'm a fan.
4: But you are already, when I was like making my manifestation list of like all the people I want to have on season one for the show, of course you were in that list.
1: Yeah. And the name of the podcast came... From you. From me.
4: Yes. So, oh my <laughs> God, yes. So... DJ Head uh, and our dear friend, Chuck Dizzle, both uh, incredible radio personalities and DJs and front runners on the LA hip hop scene for over a decade. They have an amazing podcast called The Homegrown Radio Podcast that I had the privilege to be a guest on a couple years ago. And I was talking to them about the fact that I was really procrastinating on dropping my own podcast.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: Um, and what really held me back from doing this podcast And I think I might've mentioned this on Instagram before, but the first time I recorded an episode of what would be my podcast was like four or five years ago. And I never put it out. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd actually started podcasting before there was even an iTunes podcast, like maybe 15 years ago when there was just like the podcast network. Um, But for whatever reason, I was completely paralyzed about starting the show because I couldn't think of a name for the show. (laughs) Um, And so much like I do, I overthought it mm-hmm. and I just let it get me completely stuck. And yeah. I was on your guys' show and you're like, if you don't drop that goddamn podcast. Yeah. And you came up with the name Dropping Gems.
1: I just think that we get held up in like, just as creatives, right? We get caught up in our own mind. Like, oh, like, I don't, they over, like Chuck is an overthinker. So I'm constantly on his ass about like, bro, just do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you yourself as a creative and you are you actually were ahead of the curve when it comes to digital content in general. Cause you you've been doing content since before content was a thing. Um
4: It's true. It's true this <laughs> is true. So That's my own horn. I
1: think that we get in our minds and we be like oh, I don't know, maybe the idea is too far-fetched for people to grasp. Mm. Maybe the concept is too all over the place. Maybe I haven't honed in on what exactly I want the t- the subject matter to be. Yeah. I don't have a title. I don't have a videographer. Yeah. It's like, and me, I think that's my advantage over other people. I just don't care. Like, I just do it. And then mm-hmm. I think, like, I'll come up with a name. All right, that's the name. All right, I'm going for it. And boom. But I think that, like, the name of this is perfect because of, obviously, your author, you know
3: well hello
1: (laughs) your author and then your book and then your whole like actually to see your transformation I know we're here to talk about me and shit but your transformation is fucking crazy to keep it real and seeing where you are in the space that you are I think the name is perfect
4: yeah uh, I'm really grateful to you guys for coming up with this name Um, even though when you thought of it it still took me an additional two years to actually use it yeah 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 (laughs) But you know everybody's a work in progress. Um, so DJ Head, he and I go—I mean, so far back and probably out of all the guests that I've had on this show, I'm looking right. at a list right now. Um, we have such a depth of history, and it's ridiculous. Probably the most out of everyone I've had thus far, we probably have the most unique, yeah, um, like stories of origin. So-
1: man, <laughs> and I think that this is something too but i mean we're gonna get into a whole bunch of different things but um you know for your listeners and people that that follow you and stuff like that i want them to know that like Uh-oh. dev is fucking like amazing you know oh. what i'm saying i um,
4: paying him to say this y'all like, no,
1: no 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 this is free advertisement but <laughs> but, but no she's amazing like um, I mean, we'll get into the stories and whatnot, but I think like you it's it's you it's it's a few people. I feel like it's you and then a couple other people that have been had literally changed my life mm. and I think that that's important for people to know
4: I mean, i'm gonna bring this back up to you because like you are incredibly successful popping, popular um rich and for you to to say all those things about me it's like well hmm let me see let me let me hold five in the future
1: (laughs) oh no you got that you got that so quick quick story i remember um a long time i remember this had to be every bit of 10 years or more better probably more than yeah, 10 years. Yeah, cuz
4: we met, I mean, we probably started our friendship maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. Before really like I think I was like interning at the time yeah. in radio, but definitely before I had really any measure of success and we were just like underground hip hop heads of Los Angeles. We just
1: love this shit out here and it was interesting though to see because I never, I remember when I first saw you, I think we were at like what a Mike Stroh's events yeah. or we were somewhere and I saw you and you were like the only girl and it was like, and you were just like, you was shooting this shit, you was talking shit, it was just like, <laughs> and you was right there but you wasn't it wasn't like a, like she's the only girl, it was like, oh that's the homie yeah, and it was just like Everybody just fuck with you and embrace you. I'm like, who in the fuck is she? Like, <laughs> I need to know her because everybody loves her. You know what I'm saying? Like, you were already ingratiated, in my opinion, you were already ingratiated into the L.A. scene, and I was just trying to get my feet wet.
4: Mm. We, you know, my first real memory of you is Glasses Malone, yep. one of both of our best friends, um, heavyweight in these Los Angeles streets, rapper. He most recently antagonist. antagonist. <laughs> yeah sometimes internet troll um but one of the best people i know uh who you guys have probably heard of recently because he dropped a song that i very blissfully and beautifully cussed him out for um called tupac must die yeah. so he's been doing a lot of a lot of press around that but glasses you know super close friend of both of us but me and glasses had got really close yeah and i remember you guys had some kind of a studio or a building um i forget exactly where i think we had in like hawthorne lakewood we
1: had oh bellflower
4: bellflower yeah
1: i see that's fucked up. that's how old i am i forgot about that shit yeah yeah we were over there in bellflower with um with tommy shout out to them um And we would, it was literally a makeshift studio. Like it was some bullshit.
4: I remember he hit me up like, yo, Dev, I'm doing his voice. Dev. you gotta come to the studio. And so I went up there and that was the day that I met you. And I remember you walked in and you were like, (laughs) your natural disposition is like, (laughs) kind of like an a-hole. Like, you know, you're just like very blunt and matter of fact in the way that you speak. Um, So you just walked in like, what up? Like just very like... (laughs) But we clicked immediately. Um,
1: I just think authenticity attracts like, like you're authentic person. I'm authentic person. I understand now that I'm old and that I'm mature, that my, my, my delivery is fucked up. I remember I was just on, I did sway and he called me out too. He's like, yo, you, you just like, just say shit fucked up. (laughs) And (laughs) And I was like, I know. And I'm, 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 it's a 10 year work in progress and I still haven't mastered it. But I remember when, Our first interactions, I I liked you because I just felt like you, I felt like you understood me immediately. Like it wasn't like, you obviously have your opinion about me. And you was like, oh, like he might be an a-hole, whatever. But I felt like it wasn't like a, judgmental thing no you've never been judgmental in general oh god no no
4: and i and i'm like i'm i'm the kind of person that i'm very drawn to polarizing people Mm. you know what i mean so like if you if someone were to point out someone to me this has never happened with you but if someone were to point out someone to me and be like oh my God, like I just can't stand them or they're this, like I'm drawn to know more about them. Me too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And on the flip side, if you hear something like incredible about someone, I'm drawn to them. Yeah, and, me and too. And I want to know more about them and their life. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, you and I were were truly in the trenches together. It's truly. And this was at a time where, you know, I was just getting my feet wet in radio. I had this like underground, like internet radio show that I worked on called Zombie Radio with my dear friend, Tony. And I was an intern at a station in L.A. And I was, you know, I I remember I used to call you because at that time I was still a college student um, and I had this opportunity to be an intern for two of my favorite personalities, the Goodfellas. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to juggle having a full time job, being a college student. And now this internship and this side hustle that I had, and I had totaled my car. So like, I would like catch the bus for up to four hours a day, Mm -hmm. um, to get home and to get to my internship. And, you know, I'm probably for like a two year time span, I probably averaged at most four hours of sleep a night. Um, but I really relied heavily like on people like you to like sit on the phone with me to keep me awake,
1: to keep you awake. Um, Yeah.
4: Cause I would like it was so bad that I had started like hallucinating on the freeway. Yeah. I would be so exhausted. It would be like two in the morning, and I'd be trying to get home, and then have enough time to like make it to school the next day, which was an hour drive. You know, it was just intense. Um, but people like you, like keeping me away.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think I think what's crazy is too is that we never realize how important those moments are. Because mm. now I look at I look back at shit like that, like just different moments, like what you're talking about, like the, just being on the phone and like being in the trenches and it's like, and now I appreciate that way more Than i did at the time because at the time we're like we're we're young we're hungry we're trying to get on we want you want zombie radio to work you like i got all these ideas you're trying to creatively express yourself but at the same time you got real life happening and it's like i feel like that balance and that that turmoil because i know a lot of i I talk to kids that i go to schools and i have a lot of people that i mentor and shit and i'm trying to get them to under which they won't but i'm trying to get them to to cherish the 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 grind of it yeah. more because you later on you look back like damn
4: Man. oh i miss those times yo yeah and it's funny because like you know i think that that is the area where a lot of like younger people um maybe like a decade younger than us where unfortunately they they don't take the time to savor it because mm-hmm. they actually are documenting in real time in a way that we weren't we right like yeah i probably post you know a couple pictures on myspace like a month. Right. Yeah. But I wasn't documenting my journey in real time. Also at that time, I felt very proud to be an intern. Like yeah. I would be like, I would yell it off the rooftops. Like I'm an intern at this station. And yep. to me, it was the idea of paying my dues and like earning my stripes was really exciting to me, you know, versus now just because we're in such a comparative space and time um people feel like if they get an internship they have to say oh I'm a I'm a senior assistant you know instead of just being like yo like kudos to you for prioritizing your dreams and and doing the the due diligence and the footwork necessary to get where you want to be
1: working your way up
4: yeah but though I mean the times that we had were just yeah those were like truly special and just a very special moment in time. I remember,
1: I remember this is something it's, it's a couple of things like that is in our history in the last 15 years that I'll never forget. Um, one of them is when you would literally risk your job, like, cause you were doing weekends on the radio. Yes. And I remember specifically I was and I was just I was just a radio baby and 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 I just love radio like I just always wanted to do it and that's why you always somebody I looked at like fuck I want to do what she's doing Mm. um and I would just always want to be around it and I remember like always hitting you I would be I know I was bugging you even though you probably don't look at it like that like I'm for sure I was bugging the shit out of you like yo. Well, can you know, can I come be around? I just want to hang out. Like, can I come to the studio? Like, and it's like, it's kind of forward now that I'm looking at it because people do that to me. Can I, can I come to the Can I come to the radio station? Can I come sit in? Like, it's like, bro, it don't work like that. Like, you, you can't just like, you can't just pull up and just I just have this random person in the studio. In the studio. Like looking at all my confidential paperwork and and you know, like it's just right. that's not how this shit works. But you did it for me. Like, you would literally sneak me into the radio station and, you know, shout out to A.D. But... um You would literally like sneak, like I remember specifically the way the station was set up, we would go through the sales department because you didn't want me walking past certain offices of the the executives. (laughs) So we would go around the back and you would just be like, okay, just sit here in a corner and just, you know, shut up and just, I'm gonna do, I'm like, and I would just be in there like eyes wide open, fucking giddy. (laughs) And then one day I remember specifically, you let me take a picture and that shit just meant everything to me. Oh, and I was like, because I was because you let me get behind the board. Yeah. I think nobody was at the station that day. I got behind the. I still have that picture, by the way. Wow, I got behind the board, and you just took. You did like a little photo shoot, and I, I was, remember this. And I and, and it was just like, and that shit was <laughs> like mind-blowing to me like and this wow. had to be i don't even know what year that was but it's
4: probably like oh seven ish
1: 2007 yeah and i just remember that shit meant everything to me because it's like damn i'm in a radio station i'm right That's here at dope. the, i'm not i got the mic in front of me i'm just i don't know what none of this shit does on this board but i'm just i got my hand on it and you were taking the pictures <laughs> of me and that just gave me i think that i think that what that did was like revitalize my my passion that like Mm. I really wanted to do this shit for real. Like I don't wanna like fake do it. I don't wanna pose for the pictures from my space. Like I really wanna do this shit. And that to me, I feel like those little things that people do changes your life. Mm. And I felt like that was one of those pivotal moments in my life, at least doing this business or wanting to do this business where it felt like it was possible.
4: That's dope. And that I think that speaks a lot to who you are in this moment, even that you, you know, experience that moment in the way that you just just described. Because at this point to flash forward from oh seven to now, it's 2019, <laughs> yeah. like you have the number one rated night show in Los Angeles. That's crazy.
1: When I, every time I hear that, that shit's crazy to me.
4: Like how wild is that? That's- like you have the number one rated night show. In Los Angeles, the number two market in the country on the biggest station in the number two market. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Wow. I don't know.
4: And that's really just even the tip of the iceberg because it's like you, you have this huge career in radio. You're celebrated and recognized by people all over the country, but you also... Do so much more. You have a new TV show coming out on Netflix. It's not
1: my TV show, but, but, but you're
4: one of the stars of the
0: show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um,
1: what's interesting is so shout out to Netflix first of all. Second of all, shout out to Jesse Collins. His whole team is amazing. Without I, without I, this is something I'll just sidebar what I want to point out because I'm doing the dropping Gems podcast. I want to point out that Jesse Collins' team is what makes his fucking ship stay afloat, mm. and it's ran by women. Hey, and I think and I think that that's the key to his success mm. and I was just like
4: I love that you recognize
1: that I do yeah I peeped it and I was like okay I know what I need to do you know what I'm saying and I, anyway long story short um shout out to Jesse Collins Entertainment amazing man of color whole bunch of uh, people of color he employs um I think that it's his production company does everything you would think of in black television from from Kevin Hart, a Real Husbands of Hollywood, to wow. producing the live BET show award show. Like he does everything in between. Mm. So anything that you've probably seen as black on television, Jesse Collins probably does it. So long story short, actually, I got a shout out to Dave Free. Um, shout out to Dave Free because I got a random text, you know, that Dave is real weird and elusive. I don't know if people know who elusive.
4: Dave He's very elusive. <laughs> he's he's very mysterious. He yeah. So yeah.
1: one day I'm I just I'm laying in the bed and Dave texts me, like, yo, I'm gonna hook you up with my boy Jesse. We have an he has an opportunity for you. I'm like, all right, for sure. Mm. I don't know what it is. He said, This is my new number, don't give it out. That's that's just Dave, right? In and out. So I end up jumping on the phone with Jesse Collins. At the time, I had no idea who Jesse Collins was. And he ended up and then I end up telling my manager, Silas, who was he was like, yo, like you know who you were talking to? And I'm like, nah. He was like, bro, he's like the guy. Like, he's the doc winner of black television. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. So long story short, he was like, yeah, you know, we're doing this show. I don't know if you heard about it with Cardi B and T.I. and Chance the Rapper. It's going to be a big show, first of its kind, hip hop uh, competition show. And I'm like, and, and the first thing I thought was, I have to, it has to be authentic.
3: Mm. It
1: can't be American. No, no, no disrespect, but it can't be corny. It can't yeah. be, you know, weird. And I just didn't, because that's not the culture. The culture's raw. It's authentic. I don't want the curse words bleeped. I don't want, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they were like, so when I met with, with Jesse Collins at his office, they, they we sat down with the whole team. They told, they laid it all out for me. And they, said, and they were open to feedback. They were like, well, we understand you have a voice in this city. We understand who you are and stuff. So we're not... This is not just the show, you're a part of it. If you have an opinion, let us know. Uh, we'll, you know, take it into consideration whatever. And that wasn't the most important thing to me being involved with the show to the level that I'm involved. And once they brought me on to be, to be quote unquote, the DJ, right? I'm the DJ on the show, but I would be live interacting with the with the contestants so I'm like playing the music that they're rapping over and shit mm. it's not like playback that's why I said yeah. authenticity it has to be real yeah. so when you see me DJing I'm actually DJing um and they're rapping as I'm scratching the whole shit is authentic so then once they saw how good I was with the microphone I'm like I talk every day for a living give me a microphone right so then once they were comfortable with that they were like oh okay well you're pretty much gonna be directing traffic now so then that's how I became more involved with the show. And it's kind of like it's just a blessing wow. to be honest with you. Like, and, and what I do want to say though about the show is when you watch it, it's very, very authentic. The cursing, the, the arguments, everything is real. It's mm-hmm. the judges and the producer. I mean, I'm not 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 the judges. It's the judges, it's Cardi BTI and Chance the Rapper they literally control the destiny of the show. There's no producers. There's no networks involved. There's none of that. I have a headset on that I'm listening to the production. And as Cardi B is saying something, they're making changes on the fly. Mm, You get what I'm saying? So it's that authentic to the point where no one knows what's going to happen until it's actually happening in real time. Mm. And that's what made the show fucking dope to me. And I was like, I'm in let's do this shit. And so it's coming out um, October 8th. I don't know when it's yeah, come out, but shout out. I mean, October 9th. Sorry. I don't know that um, there's ever been a show like this, like full, cus- full uncensored, raw, uncut, unfiltered opinions. Um, and it was just.
4: And also like the the credibility factor of the people involved in the show, like yeah. their credibility to the culture, like what they have to say matters, what you have to say matters.
1: Yeah. And I think that um, just I want to be more involved in shit like this that's that's impactful to the culture Yeah. as a whole, not just, oh, he's a DJ. Let's have I don't do, even to this day, like, I don't really DJ clubs. I don't do like I don't DJ at strip clubs. Not no disrespect to that. But that's just not what I want to do right now. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like I have a voice and it needs to be heard. And I feel like I could just do more of my platform.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, it's like the way the way your dj ability has really crafted your life it, it's yeah. the way it's like cultivated your ear it's mm-hmm. the way that it's like allowed you to become such a big gatekeeper in los angeles and and such a, a curator of the culture out here
1: yeah i think uh sway used that word too he called me a gatekeeper that shit was crazy i ain't gonna lie i know sway is a friend of yours and like I was, but it's still like as a radio baby. Yeah, yeah, like I'm a fucking radio baby.
4: Well, Sway's a national treasure. Like he right. is legitimately like, he's a treasure.
1: <laughs> just, but you know what's crazy? And I, I was talking about this shit last week. I think. Um, Can
4: I just point out that you are cussing so much? Like you don't work in radio.
1: I know. I know. Radio people are the worst. I'm sorry. Um, what's crazy is I was talking about this last week. The people that I look up to, right, mm-hmm. in radio, because I'm a radio baby, are my peers. And it's the wildest thing <laughs> I have ever had to come to grips with in my life because like, you know, I'm, t- I'm just talking to big boy and I'm just, Angie Martinez is just giving me advice. And yeah, like, she comes in the room. It's like, hey, what's up, bro? Like, you know, and I'm like, bro, like, bro, like, you're Angie Martinez, right? Like you're a you're a legend. legend. Like yeah. I look up to. I I I listened. I got your book. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like,
4: yo, her book is incredible. Fire, fire! <laughs> wow, Angie yeah.
1: Martinez and Charlemagne have the best books from personalities that I've ever encountered in my life. In my just they they literally cultivated different pieces of my life. Yeah, just those books alone.
4: You should read. Um, and I'm like. You know, she's polarizing, but I read one of her books when I was still an intern Mm -hmm. and it was uh, Wendy's Got the Heat. Mm -hmm. Incredible read about radio. Incredible. Incredible.
3: Okay.
1: I'll check that out. Um, Right now though, what what, was interesting enough is being a media and podcasting, I don't have the attention span to read books. Yeah. So I listen to audiobooks. Mm. And so that's how I just consume because I can drive and I and I can zone out and listen yep. to it. I don't really listen to a lot of music while I'm driving. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks. So I hopefully there's an audiobook for that one. But I think that that's that's the biggest thing, like mind trick ever, mm. is once you get to us, you'll just you'll just like I'm pretty sure it happened to you at some point, you'll just look up and be like oh like I'm where I've always wanted to be yeah I'm a peer to the people that I looked up to and grew up listening to and and they look at me as an equal mm. and it's a just a and it's just crazy because you're not ready for it when it happens like like people tell me like oh you you know you have a big you have a voice and this and that and like okay I'm starting to really understand it because my opinions are getting me in trouble mm. and so I'm like oh, like you care what I think. And that is the biggest trick that, you're not ready for because no one ever prepared. It's like parenthood. I relate it to parenthood. Like cause a lot of my friends say, you're never ready to have kids. Yeah. You just, you just.
4: You figure it out. You figure it yeah. out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so, so that's how I look at this. It's right. I look at this like you're never ready for what, when it actually comes, you just figure it out on the fly. Yeah. And so I feel like that's the transition I'm going through right now is to understand who I am as who I am to other people.
4: Uh, like the, the weight of the responsibility. Right. Yeah. Cause that's the thing that a lot of people, don't realize when they're just chasing like attention or getting recognition. It's like to have eyes on you is a sacred responsibility to have people listening to you. Like I think the radio is such a sacred medium to me because somebody is literally letting me inside of their brain. Like Mm -hmm. I'm entering through your ear. Mm -hmm. You're not distracted by visuals Mm -hmm. and I'm just sitting on top of your brain, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I think like, I love that. I love that you just said that because that's why a lot of people think, Oh, I want fame. I want attention. I want a lot of followers. And then you get those things and you feel empty or you don't know what to do with it because you didn't think past getting people to notice you exist. Exactly. And there's a responsibility with that. Like you, like, what are you offering? What are you sharing? What are you leading with? Like everyone wants to be an influencer, but what, what exactly are you influencing yeah. is it is it impactful for the betterment of people
1: and i think that's what where i am right now like for the most part i, I always wanted to just make a difference and i always wanted to be i wanted to be what i didn't have right yeah. so not not going deep into like oh i didn't have a dad and like all that stereotypical stuff it, it had to do with mentorship or um people that embrace you that you that you can actually physically touch there you got to think about it when we were coming up let's say i don't know 10 12 years ago i didn't I, you were probably the only radio personality that i had access to mm. think about it i didn't know anybody yeah. else there was yeah,
4: especially at that time he, there was no
1: social media nobody was there like was no, really
4: in the streets nobody,
1: nobody was around
4: was. yeah nobody was around
1: nobody was around except dev <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> I'm
4: Everything. You were everything. The bottom everything. basement
1: thing in Long Beach, yeah. the, the things in at the in at Son. the like you were everywhere. And that's where I got that from. Like I got part of that from watching you, watching how glasses move, once mm-hmm. he became the guy in the city, watching how once um like once that whole scene was bubbling, I watched how everybody move. And then I also watched how people embraced those different entities. And I was like, I don't ever want to be the person that's in seclusion. I don't ever want to be the person that's out of reach, out of touch. I don't ever want to be the, I want to be what I didn't have, which is somebody who has the, like we were all learning at the same time. Mm -hmm. Right. We all had to learn by making mistakes. I don't, I want to prevent that for the next people, for the next individual. So that's why I I do go talk to kids. I have people that I mentor and that's why I go out of my way to like, there probably isn't. I don't know. If you're a rapper on the come up right now in LA, and you have somewhat of 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 a buzz, or you re- taking yourself seriously, you you probably have my cell phone number. Mm. There probably there's very few rappers in LA that don't have my cell phone number, and that's just because I'll hit them up. I'll go out of my way to be like, yo. Hey, this, you know, this young kid that I just found on online, I didn't even know him from what, and he's from here. And he was like, I I followed him back. And he was like, yo, you this is crazy. And I DM him. I said, what's your cell? And I just called him. Mm. And it blew his mind, Mm. right? Blew his mind. He's like, yo, this. I'm like, yeah. So this is what I want to tell you. You know, this is what this is what I, I peeped your whole your whole rollout on your music. I peeped what you're doing. I looked at your artwork. I said, stop posting guns. Stop posting money. Mm. St- don't do this. Take all that stuff down. Do this, do that. And it's just nobody did that for us, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. As a week. I don't know your story, but my story, like in being in the circle that I was in, nobody did that for us. Yeah. Nobody told us how to prevent our I'm trying to save someone 10 years that no one saved me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't even get high. I went to radio broadcasting school at Cerritos college in 2004. Right. I got hired in
0: 2015.
1: Mm. So I'm 11 trying
4: to years of- 11 years. Yeah.
1: It took me to get hired. God, can we, and that's part time. Yeah. That's not like a contract. That's not money. That's not, that's literally Hey, we're going to give you two hours a week. Wow. That's what it took me. 11 years to get two hours a week on the radio. You see what I'm saying? And then
4: it, it, it's so interesting. And I want to sit here for a second because that's something that I really wanted to share about your story. What I love so much about your journey is like the patience, <laughs> the the patience that you sometimes have to have with your destiny. Mm mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because especially in this day and age, which is very much a day and age where everybody thinks that what they do has to be so grandiose. Like everything is this grand gesture. Everything has to be not just documentable, but captioned in a way that's celebratory and captioned in a way that sets you at an elevated stance, you know? Um, And for you, it's like, you are standing in your destiny right now. From that, from that 2017 two-hour hire, now it's 2019, and you are the number one-rated night show. So not only are you
1: no 2015, I got hired
4: 2015, yeah, at two hours. Now it's it's 2019. You have a number one-rated night show along with. Boulay Kev, yeah. and you are celebrated in Los Angeles. you know, you you're a real power player in this city and a power player in hip-hop. You have a Netflix TV show, Rhythm and Flow. You have taken over the BET stage, curated <laughs> it and hosted it for yeah. the past few years. Yeah. You're going to be a big part of this hip-hop awards coming up. yeah um, and, and so it's like it's crazy because you wait, 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 over a decade, mm-hmm. you wait right? But in that weight, you're not sitting around bitter. You're not sitting around complaining or watching other people with envious eyes. Like you are playing your position in that moment. You're cultivating skills. You're, you're, you're getting prepared for whatever is meant to come. Mm. And then in God's time, in the exact right timing for your destiny, you know, shoot forward, you get something that's Headed in the right direction, but not fully what you want or maybe have worked for. Yeah. But you still stay focused, and then all of a sudden, this rapid ascension within yeah. within a two year time span. This rapid ascension, and now you're like standing you're standing in the fullness of everything that you work towards.
1: Well, once some, something, I mean, something that like a mentor of mine told me is that, um, like during my it was like during like a dark time. It was like right before I got hired at iHeart. It was like. Cause you, cause you gotta think if you're grinding, if you're like literally poor, right? So I, I grew up, I have the same upbringing as most people of color in the city, right? We're poor on welfare, blah, 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 right? So when you have that, I don't feel like everything else is take home. Mm. Like when you, I, I've already been at the bottom. So everything else outside of me eating noodles and, you know, oatmeal every day, because it's just, it's just what we had up to I don't know couch hopping or sleeping in a car or whatever the case may be that's all house money so right now I'm living in the whipped cream of life (laughs) that's what that's what the homie called. he's like you're living in the whipped cream of life because everything that happens is take home it's all house money because not that I don't feel like I didn't I don't deserve it but I didn't have it anyway.
4: Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so
1: now like like you said rapid ascension, I look at it like I'm making up for lost time.
0: Mm.
1: I look that's why and then, um and the plan what you said about the the waiting period, I think it's like with nip's dedication, hard work plus patience. That's 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 the formula. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like if you follow that formula in anything, it could be a relationship, it could be a relationship with God, it could be your relationship with your spouse, it could be your mom, whatever the case may be, anytime, dedication, hard work, patience, that's the formula, that's the recipe to whatever long lasting success may look like in whatever whatever venue that you're looking for, right? So in my mind, what I'm looking at right now is it's been, I don't know what, 15 years or something, something crazy like that. I'm looking at it like for the 10 years that there was a void I'm trying to make up for that mm. which is what which is what hinders me from appreciating the now yeah and yeah. so now very, I'm like present it, it I, it's very difficult for me to be present because I'm always like what's next what's next what can we do with and it's like at some point like my, my manager had to look at me he's like bro it's like, you have the number one night show in the in the city. You have two shows, actually. You have your show, Monday through Friday with Kev. You got Homegrown yeah. Radio, which is a whole nother beast. On Saturday with Chuck, you got a Netflix television show. You got your own BT stage. You're doing something else on television. You're doing, I'm, now I'm doing local news, Fox mm-hmm. and KTL. He's like, what else do you want? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. It's just not enough. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's incredibly ungrateful of me to feel like that.
4: No, I'm going to say ungrateful. I think you just spent 10 years training yourself to approach what you do in a certain kind of way that you haven't necessarily adjusted for what life currently looks like.
1: Yeah, I have not. And I'm not, I don't necessarily want to because Mm -hmm. I feel like when I feel like complacency builds, that's, I feel like complacency works to your detriment.
4: But that's not complacency. There, there's like a difference. Like complacency is kind of like, consciously keeping yourself stuck Mm -hmm. but being present is much more just about kind of surrendering to the flow of life and not being like rigid and just Mm -hmm. being um fully involved in the here and now and and standing like in gratitude and you know just not not holding back but not pushing forward
1: yeah what i do is i try to do and i posted this um i think last week or the week before where like I have one mirror in my house. It's like, well, obviously I live in a little apartment, but I have one mirror in my apartment, right? Outside of the bathroom, everybody has a bathroom mirror, but I have one mirror in my apartment and it's literally right by my door. And so what I posted was most people look in the mirror to check their outfit, not their soul. Hmm. And so what I do is I don't, I look in the mirror every day and I don't look for Oh, do my shoes go with this? I'm looking at it like, do I like what I see? Mm. Not on the exterior, on the interior. Do I like, do I like who I am? Do I like what I stand for? Do I, do I like what I believe in? Do I like my mm. values? Do I like where I am mentally? Do I like my happiness? Do I, are
4: you in alignment? Uh,
1: you're right. Yeah. And so I check myself daily and that's what keeps me present because i have to be honest i mean if anybody can be humbled but if it takes a it takes a different type of person to humble yourself
4: yes oh my god and i feel like write that down
1: i feel i feel like that that key thing right there humbling (laughs) thyself is that's everything and so once somebody is able to do that and become and become their own checks and balances I mean, anybody can be humble. You go read your YouTube comments, that'll humble you real fast. You know what what I'm
0: saying? saying.
1: You go read your SoundCloud (laughs) comments, that'll that'll humble you real fast. But outside of that, checking yourself is key to being prosperity, in my opinion.
4: Self-honesty is one of the most difficult but powerful and freeing things you can ever do for Mm -hmm. yourself. You know, because... Most people lie to themselves the most yeah. more than they lie to any other person. They lie to themselves every second of every day. Um, so to be able to really look yourself in the mirror and and be like, am I who I say I am? Mm-hmm. You know, am yeah. I who I say I am? Yeah, I think. And I, I've shared this, like, I think a couple episodes ago, but one of the one of the greatest, like, I don't want to call this a hack because there is no easy way <laughs> to be on the journey. But one of the most kind of simple but powerful tools is to say every day on purpose, you know, God, please show me the truth of who I am. Yeah. Because in multiple ways, I mean, that can be, that can be kind of like, you can dive into the meaning of whatever that is for you. And so there's so many different perspectives for what that statement even means, but it will all bring you to the most authentic version of yourself um, saying that. But yeah, I I love that. I
1: think, I think um, that's the most important thing to me and where I am now. And then what I've noticed is that's where I've always been, but Mm -hmm. that's also what took me so long is being true to myself, being authentic to myself.
3: tests, diarrhea, hair, thinning, or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite.
1: I remember, I remember having a conversation with an intern and they were like, um, why do you help us so much? Like they were questioning my intentions, <laughs> like, cause it was like, cause like I've literally like done things and I'm going to talk about something that you did too, that changed my life. But, oh. um, I remember doing things for certain people. And it, you know you don't have to get into the particulars, but like it would be big things, like uh, someone didn't have shoes,
4: oh wow, like she
1: needed shoes, you wow. know what I'm saying, yeah, and so like I bought her two pairs of shoes, and then like feeding them one a day, like um, or even like helping them with rent, mm. you know, shit like that, and it was just like it's not about to me, it's not about, oh, I want to do this because it makes me feel good, it's because I respect your commitment.
4: Yes. Yeah.
1: I respect how much you're committed to doing this.
4: You're still showing up. You yeah. still
1: want to show up. Um I can't say enough about about Lupe. Um Lupe Uerenos. She came she started working with us as an intern and she looks up to you like you're like a you're like a God to her. Oh stop. That's I'm t- too far. I'm telling you. So long story short, she she would go through the most shit and I don't want to like put her risk, but like her dad got deported
4: oh my god
1: literally which is a struggle Ooh. to all you know latino yeah, Latino that's people that's a real that issue it's a real issue here especially here in la because i'm we're both from here but
0: god
1: she still came to the station and was blogging and like wow. doing social media and i'm like bro like what are you doing
4: yeah because
1: i could tell someone's bothering her and then she was like yeah and then when we didn't find out till after the fact and we found out, and we were like, "What are you doing?" And like, what? She's like, "Well, I'm still gonna come." I'm like, it's okay. Like, go deal with, be with your family. Like, deal with with that. But wow. that level of dedication,
4: man, I have so much respect. Hard for work,
1: patience. It's the yeah. same thing. That level of dedication, it reminds me of us.
4: Yeah, you yeah. on the bus
1: four hours. Yes, me. Like, I remember every struggle. Yeah, I remember. And-
4: and I I have such a low tolerance for people that yeah. like complain about petty things. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. you have a right to your process and a right to your perspective, but I'm not going to indulge you. Like I'm not going to coddle you. Like if this is your dream or if this is something that's important to you, it's no one's job but yours
3: yeah.
4: to find a way to make it happen. You know, because things are, you know, I, I've had different interns over the years that, I have to take blame and enabling them because yeah. like when I first like really got on in my field, I was like, I want to help everybody for the help I didn't have. Exactly, You know what I mean? And so specifically with women, cause like I never had a woman really like take me under their wing or, have, you know, mentor me. Like I had a lot of amazing men in my corner in radio. Um, but so anytime, anytime somebody will write me starting way back when they'd send me messages on MySpace to you know hitting me up on twitter or whatever showing up at my event i would always try to like find them find them an internship somewhere or get them involved somewhere and a couple people i would take under my wing and you know i thought i thought i saw some of myself in them but very early on it was like it was a slap in the face Mm -hmm. like you'd you would get people complaining about the silliest things or not doing whatever was needed to get the job done, but expecting so much in return. And I'm like, I can't keep, they'll figure it out. What's meant for them is for them, but I only have enough bandwidth (laughs) to supply the people that are number one, really invested in themselves and not just looking for someone to make things happen for them for the gram. Um, But also like, there is a level of reciprocity that is necessary, even in a mentorship. Like you have to, you have to give something back. It, it Even if all you have to give is gratitude or your hard work, but you have to, no relationship can sustain or exist if it's one person facilitating and the other person just taking. And that's super true for mentorships too. And for, you know, assistants and for anybody that is taken under any kind of wing by another person, like- even if you don't have the same connections, money, or value—what you perceive to be value—that you're bringing to the table, you do have something to offer, yeah. and so you you need to give as well. You
1: well, know, I look at um, I I some I always tell uh my mentees and and kids and students when I go to schools, I say, look, look at the look at the world and the universe like a store, right? You can't just walk into a store and just take stuff. That's yeah. not how it works, right? You have to provide some sort of monetary compensation, currency, work for hire, whatever the case may be. Right. That's how the world works. If you need something, you have to be willing to give something. That's how fasting works. If you were, if you were spiritual or whatever the case yeah. may be. Right. So it's like, if you're not looking, if you're looking to only pillage the resources or leech off stuff, or I'm only looking to get, get, get and gain, gain, yeah. gain. What are you willing to give up?
4: exactly and
1: that's the there, thing there
4: always has to be a trade with the universe and the so universe always requires some some sacrifice
1: something yeah and so i remember um early on in about 2011 yeah about 2011 um Sallas, my manager was like look he was like you basically don't have anything like because I'm, I'm at this time at my mom's house i'm in a in, a, in the room downstairs i'm broke I don't have nothing going on except like rap stuff with with g and m stuff but i I was bottomed out right so he was like well you know everybody right i'm like okay cool he's like that's your currency Mm. that's your currency is the fact that you have relationships in the city i say yeah but i don't have anywhere to get there I, i i can't like how am i gonna i can't i can't even afford." To, there's no uber at this time just for the millennials listening like there, there, right. there, there's no lift there's no there's no <laughs> uber so i can't get on the bus at two o'clock in the. i mean at one at 12 o'clock at night to be in right. an event right it's just not safe where i'm coming from so he's like all right well i have a car i have gas you're the currency you can get us in so that became our system. Mm-hmm. So all I had to do then was provide means to get in, which means I had to cultivate and curate my relationships, mm-hmm. which means I had to stay socially connected, which means I had to come out of my comfort zone and give something. You have to give something to get. And it's just, that's how it works. I remember being 27 years old and it was one of the most humbling things in my in my whole career. Uh, I don't even think you know about this, but I remember being 27 years old and I would take donuts to Rick D's studio, just so I could be in the room with tattooed with them while they were doing mm. their show. And it was just like, and I and I would be in there, and there were people on air who were, I don't know, twenty one. Like there was a there was I think there was a nineteen year old there, and I'm bringing donuts just so I can like get in. And I was like, and then, and then later on, like Silas would tell me, he said, look, it's two things that everyone universally wants and needs two things and they'll fuck with you you put money in their pocket or food in their stomach
4: Mm, that's that's real
1: it's the realest advice (laughs) that is
4: so real i could i
1: ever give to young people is you put food in my stomach or money in my pocket i'm fucking with you yeah off top yeah and and that's the trojan horse i said (laughs) i said listen you want to get in the radio station I said, you showing up with your air check, cool. You might get in the lobby. You showing up with this, with with uh, with your resume. I mean, you might get upstairs, maybe. Right. I said, you know, but who's that's always, like what
4: everybody else is doing. You know
1: who's always gonna get buzzed in? The person carrying the the the, the big takeout box with the Chinese <laughs> food in it. Hey, let let her in. Who's she here to see? Yo. <laughs> right
4: yeah that's so true I'm let God. her in
1: I don't care who she here to see. Yeah. <laughs> what you
4: got in that box yeah,
1: what you got in that box oh I got extras you got extra
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah take a seat yeah, yeah. come on yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: and so I was like bro that's the key and so I remember doing these things i was taking breakfast up there just so I could be in the room and that's that's our metaphor that's our mantra to this day just get in the room
4: yeah yep
1: get in the room that's what you did you you were making you were making copies getting coffee yeah like whatever yeah but you needed to get in the room
4: it's so funny you say that because it just reminded me of something i didn't do this all the time because i couldn't (laughs) but i remember like when i first got my radio internship like i i had nothing like i had no money i was a sad little college student i did have like this dope part-time job um working for this like billionaire randomly doing like concierge, like ordering his lunch and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you know what I was spending on gas and yeah, all of that. Like hard. I I had nada. Um, but I remember like just to like impress the people I was interning for, I would hit them like on my way and I'd be like, Hey, are you guys hungry? And I would stop and I would buy them tacos from this taco shop up the street from the studio off of Wilshire, Wilshire and La Brea. And I would come and they'd be like, Dev! Yep. Yo! And then they would shout me out on the air. They'd yep. be like, all right, coming up next. And you know, our our girl, Debbie Dev, man, she feeding us. We in here enjoying these tacos. And then like my name would start getting used more and more on air. And then that would turn into them being like, yo, Dev, what, what's going on? You heard any crazy stories lately? And then I would start doing like little gossip segments. And, yep. you know, that turned into to what was called the Dirt with Debbie Dev that I did. Yep. Um At a time when it was really hard to find gossip. Uh, But yeah, like it's funny because, and I remember I would stop and I would get them tacos and I would not have enough to get myself a taco, right? Like I wouldn't have enough money to actually feed myself. So I'd be walking in there hungry, but with bags of tacos where every person in the studio, it was the DJ and then the two guys, Romeo and DJ, um, who I'm forever grateful to that. And they would get like two tacos each. And I'd be like, oh, thank God.
1: Yeah. And I think that it's that type of stuff that people overlook because they're not looking for for reciprocity. They're looking to get. They're not looking like, how can I bring value? The key to my success, I always tell people, obviously, is dedication, hard work, patience. But it is literally bringing value.
4: Yeah, I try to bring
1: more value to people than they can offer me.
4: Yeah, And that way, you're
1: always in. It's just credit. It's karma credit yeah right? and I build my karma credit daily. We call it doing the extra credit and me and my me and my team right we call it we do extra credit every day if you all if you're doing extra credit every time you turn in an assignment, you can never fail a class <sighs> right yeah, so that's how I look at life at this point every day I get up and it's like, okay, what else can I do? All right. I'll hit up. I'll randomly. And I know it seems random too, to some like artists and producers and DJs. I'll just randomly go through my DMs and pick a DJ like that, that hit me up and I'll just hit him up and be like, yo, you know, um, I'll call them. Cause you can call through um, Instagram now. So I'll call them and just be like, they be, and, they, and it, they're, it, it blows their whole entire world. Right. Cause I'll be sitting in the station and they will be like, Oh, yo, you, you are at work i'm like yeah what's up like i seen you ask me for some advice i got 5 10 minutes what's up and it's just like that kind of
4: you're so dope that wow.
1: that, that kind of, but that that wasn't available that's to incredible. me that's incredible that was not available to me yeah and that's what i'm talking about and that's so bringing it full circle to my 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 quote unquote purpose is i feel like that's what i'm chasing at this point i'm chasing mm. my purpose and i feel like that's stronger than any and everything that's stronger than big that's bigger than a company that i work for that's bigger than any and everything that that can possibly keep me from maximizing my full potential is once you chase purpose i was just talking to this guy on instagram live the other day i think i reposted. i posted a video and i was trying to explain to him i'm writing i'm trying to put together a book right now okay yeah so i'll explain to you the concept after this but um I was explaining him explaining to him he was like well i just want to make money in the industry and i said that's not it that's not you're never going to win like that because you'll constantly be chasing a bag and not chasing opportunities Mm. and he was like okay so what should i be doing so i kind of broke it down for him like you need to chase purpose because when you chase purpose the universe backs you up Mm. it's like when artists are trying to do shit independently And they're like, I can't get my music off the ground. I can't, it's not working yet because you don't have a machine like a label. So all the label is, is the universe. And once you have a label behind you, once you have the universe behind you, it becomes easier to accomplish things. So that's how I look at purpose. When you look, when you're chasing your purpose, the universe is like, I fully endorse this.
3: Mm. And it becomes
1: easier and easier and easier and easier. Yeah. And then think- especially
4: when you're doing it with a pure heart. Because that's intention. the thing. It's like, you know, a lot of people right now put purpose side inside with like recognition and validation yeah. and being celebrated. But it's like when it's like the purest part of your heart, what yeah. you're after. Yeah, that's that's, that's I remember that's
1: good. I remember a conversation um with Nipsey and it was one of the last li- it was one of the it was one of the conversations we had in the studio. Uh, I think I talked about this before, but I told him the truth about himself and it was an uncomfortable conversation. Mm. It was real uncomfortable because I dug in his ass. I was like, bro, like you need to you're literally your brand. Your name is bigger than your records. And that's a good problem to have. Because most people get overshadowed by their records. Yeah. Most people like the Panda record don't know who did the Panda record. Yeah. I say, but your brand is so big that your records are sitting under your brand. Mm. All you need is to contribute and participate in the industry just a little bit. Mm. Give us a commercially viable song that we can all celebrate and play at the same time. Yeah. And then everything else will become easier for you. And that was the, that was the nice version. That's the pleasant version of the conversation, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, It was uncomfortable. It was really uncomfortable because I was telling him some stuff. He probably knew that was the truth, but never really acknowledged to himself. Yeah. And, and I, I was just doing, I was on my, I was grandstanding that day because I was so frustrated the fact that how amazing, ta- amazingly talented you are and the world hasn't seen it yet. Yeah. And that's because the vehicle for the world to see musicians is a record. Yeah. It's a song, Is their art. And you haven't provided the art to the masses to where everybody can put a light on you and appreciate who you are in totality. Yeah. And so he walked out the studio. <laughs> he walked out the studio and I was, it was just like an awkward, like That was an awkward energy. So I was like, so me and Sal were about to leave. And then as I was leaving, he, I, he was standing by the door. He pulled me aside. He was like, hey, you know what, head? Like, he was like, he said, you know why You know why niggas fuck with you? And I was like, honestly, I, I, maybe I think I know. I don't know. He said, he said, because he said, you say crazy shit to niggas. I ain't going to front. <laughs> He's like, you'd be saying some wild shit to niggas head. He's like, but your intentions are pure. Mm. And that's why I fuck with you because mm. your intentions are pure. And I was like, damn, I appreciate that. He's like, 100. I'm like, all right, all right for sure and then that was it and then he gave me the, he gave me he, he put a couple of songs he put one song on the album because of that conversation wow and it was just like that to me meant a lot
4: yeah because
1: not because it was nip but it was like finally like not finally that someone can see past my delivery because mm. <laughs> my delivery is mm. not good I understand that but someone can see past my but your delivery my intentions
4: are pure but my
1: intention my intent is not to dis dis you my intent is yeah. not to like talk shit to you for lack of a better term but my my intent is just to i'm trying to get you to understand what i'm saying and yeah. my delivery is bad but my 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 um not
4: bad different
1: it's di- yeah. it, it, it could be worked on and <laughs> cuz i'm just so passionate about it yeah. and so i just deliver it as is and part of it is passion and part of it is my lack of care for raw emotion, I guess. Cause I'm not, I'm not the biggest emotional person, right? So, and I think that comes from a childhood, but then Salas told me one day, he was like, I saw you go downtown and buy your mom perfume that she wanted for Christmas and gave it to her for Christmas in the same bag you bought it in. Black the little black downtown alley bag. <laughs> and and then, and he was like, that's when I knew you were different. And I was like, yeah. And I said, because to me, and I just, po- I just talked about this uh, On air, I think, like earlier last week or earlier this week, where it was like, I don't care about the rapping; I care about the gift. That's the truth.
4: Are y'all writing this down?
1: I don't. I could, if if someone brings me some food, I give a damn what bag is in or what, what plate it come on. If I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat the food. That comes from how I grew up.
4: Yeah, I
1: grew up in a survivalist mentality. My mom would come home and be like. Hey, um, I I don't get paid for another week. Take all her food out of the refrigerator, put it in the freezer. Here goes some candles. The power about to get cut off. Oh my there was God. no like, oh, like baby this. It was just, all. everything was solution problem solving. Yeah. Boom, 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 right? I remember like, oh my, I don't have a, like my, her car would break down, right? I don't have a car right now. So we're gonna, we gotta get up an hour early. We're gonna take the bus and do, do, do. It was no like, there was no bereavement or no. Yeah. There was just like, Problem solving. That's literally how my mind works to this day. And so people who don't know me or haven't take the, taken taken the opportunity or the ch- or the time to get to know why I function the way I function yeah. automatically just assume I'm an asshole. Yeah,
4: yeah. And so
1: it's like it's not that. It's just literally I don't take time to process the emotion behind stuff. I'm just in problem solving mode.
4: Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm a
1: Capricorn. I'm I'm an alpha. I'm trying to fix shit. So I'm not really tripping off of the nuance of how we're feeling about the actual problem. I'm trying to fix the problem. Yeah, And so that's obviously wreaked havoc in my personal life but benefited me tremendously in my professional life. Cause I don't take anything personal. Mm. You see what I'm saying?
4: We're so similar. Um, because I mean, I am, I'm a highly emotional person, um, but not for myself. I'm mostly like, if somebody else needs something, I will find a way to make it happen. Or if I see somebody else crying, I will cry, but <laughs> I don't, I don't cry about myself. I don't mm. cry about like my own hardships. Cause I, I'm very like solution based as well. And it's like, I've even had someone say to me, like, you know, like your tone of voice, like you're always so stern. Hmm. And, you know, they took it as like, I was speaking down on them or like, I was like in a, in an authoritative position. And I'm like, no, that's not my intention at all. But I, I just like to be very like literal, especially if we are in like a moment, um, that needs it like if yeah. we're in a moment that it's like listen we can't get bogged down by semantics we can't get bogged down by emotion like we have to move we have to act you know that that's very much how i am and it's funny that you you talked about your childhood because just in the last month i ended up having one of the biggest breakthroughs of my life mm. about why i operate in the way that i do um And it's like, you know, this is, this is work that I had been doing obviously for the last 10 plus years. You know what I mean? Like, like work on self work on working through past traumas. Like I have a childhood that includes some abandonment. I have a childhood that includes some emotional isolation Mm -hmm. and a lot of people in my life, like part of my identity has really become my strength, my resilience, right? Like a lot of people that are close to me that like know me intimately, view me as being a very, very strong solution based, like, proactive person. Um, And I am all those things. I am a deeply resilient person. And I and I like that quality about myself. It's become very like intrinsic with my identity. But a new breakthrough to my healing. And this is what I thought was so dope because sometimes you think you've done the work, right? And you think, oh, why am I still tripping off this? I've already already worked through that. I know why I do that. I know what it comes from. I've, you know, I've healed that. And someone said recently to me, Ron Holnick said, you've healed the part that you healed. To me, that was one of the biggest breakthroughs. You've healed the part that you've healed. Mm. And there's celebration in that. And because of what you've healed, you're at this moment where now you can go a little deeper into whatever that trauma was. Oh,
0: Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So all the, It's consistent like, work.
4: Like, yeah, it's consistent work that you're never quite done with because there's layers to it. So even though I had thought I had done all this work on my, you know, on my feelings of abandonment or emotional isolation, and I had done a tremendous amount of work. Now, because of that work, there's another new layer to unlock me that I have the opportunity to investigate. So what came to me was to go back to like my identity being found in my resilience and in my strength. What I realized was, and this was so humbling for me, something that was such a big part of my identity was actually rooted in being a coping mechanism. Mm. My strength was a coping mechanism. I had started inadvertently and subconsciously to equate my self-worth with how much pain I could tolerate.
1: Whoa, that's deep deep that's deep
4: deep it it was mind blowing to me to come to that level of self awareness just in the last month you know it was so crazy i think because i had done so much work up until that point so much work on healing and you know years of personal growth it really came to me like a flash of lightning in an instant and it wasn't painful to come to that recognition it came to me like god whispered it in my ear and Just in in a millisecond moment, it's like I had read 10,000 books that had led me to that point. And it was the most beautiful thing to me because I felt like, wow, to get to that piece, how lucky am I to have unlocked that? Something that I used to consider painful and maybe would have spent a lifetime avoiding looking at. But how beautiful and breathtaking that I get to lean into this, recognize this in myself and heal it and be done with it and that's have, deep. have a new layer of freedom.
1: How much pain you could tolerate. That's yeah. deep. Yeah.
4: And, and that's you know some, what? That's,
1: that's some sick shit, low key.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? That's well, crazy. And it's like, what it was really a coping mechanism for me because when I was dealing with different emotionally painful things as a young person that I didn't know how to interpret and I didn't know how to survive. All I could focus on was being strong, not succumbing to emotions, not breaking down. I'm gonna take a sip of water. Um, And so that that amount of strength ended up defining what the rest of my life looked like and and was beneficial to me and was beneficial to other people, but it's root was still based in trauma, Mm. you know? So Mm. to uncover that, it's just like, you know, I'm not going to necessarily change overnight or heal it overnight, but I can observe it in myself now and know why my reaction is what it is. And then offer myself permission to choose a different reaction. Like maybe now I do have permission to be, very emotional about myself if I want to be
1: it's an option yeah
4: it's an option Mm -hmm. um so I was just I I was blown away by that by that new insight into myself and it also really excited me because I thought dang like if I'm lucky life is long and and I have so much more opportunity to grow and investigate and refine and sharpen myself
1: Mm -hmm. you know it's a journey That's crazy though. That's crazy. You had that breakthrough. I remember, you know what's dope is when you have those though, nobody could tell you nothing.
4: Nothing. (laughs) Yo. I was like, and I already thought, like, as a soul, I was the shit. Like, I know that sounds very egoic, but I I already think I'm hot shit. Like I I love love myself deeply but i walked out of there and i was like for days i was just like yo you killing life like
1: (laughs) yeah no i know i know that's what i'm telling you like every day when i look in the mirror i I look for those i look for those those gems i'll be like looking at it like okay what else can i do how else can i be can i be of service how else can i not even just for other people how can can i be of service to myself yeah um oh speaking of this i do want to talk about um so, I remember. Damn, this had to be every bit of two thousand, maybe eight, two thousand eight ish. And I remember you were doing your thing. You were already like Dev in the city. You were the you were Dev, and. I think were you music director at the time? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So you were like popping.
4: And I was like 24 then. Right. Or, yeah. Like, and
1: so like you were popping and I was, I always looked up to you and I was just like, damn, like, which is interesting because I think we're like the same age or I'm, or I'm actually older than you, but I always looked up to you. And I was like, damn, like she got her shit together. This and that. and there, this opportunity came up now. Backstory, I'm still broke. I don't have nothing really going on, not really making money like that. Um, I had just got fired from my job at AAA, and I had went all in on this entertainment thing so when I when I finally when I got fired um from I had a, obviously everybody had everybody had jobs and stuff. so when I had worked at AAA and they fired me and I, I remember how I felt mm. and I felt like empty, but I felt worse than empty because it's like, damn, I can't even do this right. You know what I'm saying? And I just remember, but I remember knowing this is before content creator was a thing. I remember like, I'm better than this. And I know what my, what my purpose is. I know what my passion is and I want to go all in on this. And so I remember specifically when they fired me, I was like, I never want to feel this way again. I never want to be like, dependent on someone else's brand to, to, to define my career And I was like, it's all or nothing from here on out. And this was in 2007, I think when I got fired from AAA. Um, And that literally was the last job I had until I got hired at iHeart in 2015.
4: Wow.
1: I was just in the streets for eight years, just figuring it out, not doing anything illegal, but just doing like. Email blasts and yeah. DJing every. I, that's why I know everybody in the streets. I done DJed in everybody's hood yeah. in L in L A. You know what I'm saying? Um, but long story short, I remember when they fired me. They they walk you out to your car. The whole production, right? I'm twenty something. Like you don't need to walk me to my car. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, I'm right. not gonna tear nothing up on right. my. So they're walking to me in my car. They give me my final check, and I'm just sitting in my truck like, damn, I got fired. I gotta go f- tell my mom I got fired from my job and. I was like, you know what? That's when I decided I'm never gonna do this again. This mm-hmm. is never gonna happen. Either I'm either gonna be successful or I'm gonna be a bum sleeping on my mom's couch at 50 years old. Oh, like a like
4: big extreme.
1: That's what well, I have uncles. <laughs> I'll just uh, I leave yeah. it there. So okay. anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> saying? So um, I remember specifically, I took my last check, I cashed it, and I took the homies to Red Lobster. Wow, and I, and they were like, "What are you? Cheddar
4: Bay what are we
1: doing?" We're, I said, "We celebrate." And they were like, "What do you mean we're celebrating? You just got fired." I said, "We're celebrating the end of Aaron Drake. We're celebrating the end of me doing this and pretending I'm not supposed to be great.
4: Ooh.
1: Like we're this is over. I'm supposed to be I'm I'm supposed to be great, and that's what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating all or nothing, oh. and." They were like, all right, cool. I spent my last check at Rail Officer with the homies, just breaking bread. Like I took it was like the person who got me that job. I took her and then like my homies and stuff. And long story short, <laughs> I didn't have nothing for eight years, right? <laughs> but I remember specifically this opportunity came up where I was supposed to go to Vegas with glasses and somebody else, and my phone was off. And I think me and you were talking over G chat on Google, the Google chat or something like that.
4: It was probably AIM.
1: AIM. Yeah, we, were talking yeah. to, we were talking about AIM.
4: Debbie Dev LA. That was my old AIM yep. game on we were, my sidekick. We were
1: talking on AIM. And I was like, you were like, you were, we were talking and I was just like, I was bummed out about something. And you were like, you know, what's going on? I'm like, um, well, I suppose I want to go to Vegas to network for this opportunity. I don't remember what it was. I think it was radio. I think it was something else, a gig or something. And I was supposed to go. And, but I couldn't afford to go. And it was just because I had no income. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm literally just a bum at this point. And I was like.
4: Stop calling my friend a bum.
1: Well, I was just, I literally had no means to take care of myself. Yeah, Yeah. Like, so. I remember specifically telling you about what was going on. You had to drag it out of me because I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> you drug it out of me. And then we were talking. I think we jumped on my house phone. Like my mom had a phone and we jumped. You were at the station, I believe. And we were on the, we were on the house phone and I was telling you about what was going on. It was just all bad. And, and then um, you were like, well, you know, you need to have your phone on if nothing else. This is something that I still carry to this day that I tell interns and I tell kids. I said, pay your cell phone bill first.
3: Mm.
1: and you told me that in 2008 I believe this was you were like your cell phone is the most important bill you have as an adult because especially as someone who's trying to do be an entrepreneur and be in this business is that's your lifeline Mm -hmm. without your phone on no one can contact you for more work yeah and you can't reach out to other people for more work pay your phone bill and I said I can't <laughs> right, and my phone bill, I believe, it was like a hundred bucks, or, or no, it was like eighty dollars. I didn't have eighty dollars to pay my cell phone bill. He was like, "Well, how much is the bill?" I told you, it was like eighty bucks, and then you were like, "Okay, give me your account number." And I'm like, "Nah, I can't do that." Then we had another argument, <laughs> and then I was like, "I can't do that," and you know like, why? And so we ended up getting to the root of it. My account was overdrafted like two hundred dollars, and so long story short, you was like, "Bro." Give me the account number is like leave me. Just give me the account number, right? And I was like, so we another argument, and then so long story short, you gave me the. I gave you my account number, and then you hit me back like like a little while later. You said hey, check your account, pay your cell phone bill. I never want to talk about this again. <laughs> and I was like, what the? F-? So I checked my account, and you put three hundred dollars in my account, and that right there, mm. that was like, man, I will kill a nigga for devil. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> like Like, and it was just like, but, but you got to think like being you, I'm like 25 or I don't know how old I was at the time. yeah something like that. And it's just like, no, I was younger than that. We were younger. Damn. How old are we? I don't remember. It was 2007 probably. I think this was. Yeah. And when you did that, that's another thing that changed my life. Cause it was like, damn, there are people. Like this, you know what I'm saying? Cause I didn't, I didn't, I was all out on my ass. Like there, I was like, there are people. So there are people that exist that give a fuck. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. I hadn't, I didn't know. Like I didn't, up, uh, not necessarily outside, not necessarily people. Cause obviously I have family members, Yeah. but people who don't have to give a fuck. Oh. Uh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that to me was like one of the key things that, a key, a pivotal moment in my life where it's like, you need to be this person to other people.
3: Mm. You
1: need to always remember this moment and duplicate and regurgitate this moment over and over and over and over and over because this is going to provide hope for people that don't believe that there's hope. Mm. And so I was like, okay. So when I paid myself on the bill, went on a trip or whatever. And then I finally like, I believe it was like, might be four years ago now when i finally got my job at iHeart and stuff like that i think um i got you an open and plane yeah. ticket or something for your was it your birthday
4: yeah that's like the best like one of the best gifts i've ever gotten like because you were flying back and forth yeah i was flying a lot then and it was like it an open-ended plane ticket that i recently used and i and it had like a note from you and i was like oh my god
1: because i remember that and that was yeah. well over 10 years ago that
4: really it really means a lot to me Um, number one that, I mean, you know, you're like your karmic understanding of like paying that forward because like, that's what it means. You know what it's like, I, I, I've had similar moments in my life, which probably shaped my ability to want to do that for you. You It's like knowing that. That you can be safe knowing that, like you said, there are people outside of your family that do care, that your life matters, yep. that your destiny matters. And if someone can play a part in it, you know? And I, I remember I told you, let's never talk about this again. And we did not ever speak about that. You didn't that. even
1: remember it.
4: Yeah. You brought it up when I was on your podcast two years you ago. You
1: literally did not even remember doing that something that changed my life. And I was like, and, and, and so I was like, I wonder what that's like. Like, <laughs> like, I want- And
4: keep in mind, I mean, this is like, this is when I- Like, it's not like I had a lot of money. Like I was making minimum wage at the radio station, but for whatever reason, because of side gigs at that moment in time, I had that $300 spare and it wouldn't have put me on the streets, but I was not rolling in money by any means. It wasn't like, Oh, $300. No, it was like, Ooh, $300, but it wasn't a $300 that was going to make or break me that month. I had it to share, you know?
1: And I feel like that's important. So that, so going back to what I was saying earlier about when the interns asked me, yeah. Why do I do things for them? I said, because somebody did this for me. Yeah. And I was like, I want you to do the same thing. I said, you're not always going to be hungry and not know how you're going to pay your phone, pay your phone bill. You're not always going to not have shoes. But I want you to remember this moment because like Tiffany had, Haddish, throw the rope back. Yeah, That's yeah. it. Yeah, That's all I want you to do. Yeah. I don't want nothing in return. I'm never going to tell anybody about this. I don't want you to think like yeah. this is a safe yeah. space, but I want you to remember these moments because- Going, for the, you're not always going to be in this situation. Yeah, there's going to be a time when somebody else is in need, and I want you to throw the rope back. Yeah, and so like,
4: you you gotta you gotta promise me to stop telling this story though. Okay, because when I said. We'll never talk about it. Well, I think skin. it's important
1: for people. You gotta okay. <laughs> I don't tell the story to to revitalize the story. I tell the story because it no, was I know. it no, literally no. shaped part of my life.
4: And it like you don't you don't even understand. Like that means the world to me, head, because I I just so deeply admire and treasure the person that you are and and what you do for people and what you provide for people. So for you to even share with me that I played any role whatsoever mm. in who you've become and what you've done is like a true pleasure a true gift you know and i and i'm grateful i'm grateful that god even put us on the same path together to mean to mean something to each other and to to aid each other because i mean you've you've helped me tremendously over the years like there have been times where you've helped me you know literally like I had a I I was helping someone in my family that needed to move really yeah. quickly. Yeah. And all oh, I, yeah, I forgot about that was call you and you showed up that day. And for hours with, and at that time I didn't have anything extra to probably even get y'all lunch. But I remember you and glasses showed up and moved someone that meant the world to me. That means the world to me, mm. like moved them, um, for hours lifting really heavy stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and so like we, you I totally forgot for me about that. time and time <laughs> again, yeah. But it's like you know what you know what it was too in the moment, like when we were on the phone and that happened, and I said, "Listen, it's done. Let's never talk about this again." Like it was important to me for two reasons because I felt like one, I didn't, I don't whenever you have the opportunity to do anything big or small for another person, like I didn't want it hanging over your head. Mm -hmm. I didn't want you to feel like you owed me anything. I definitely wasn't going to be like, Oh, you know what I did for him? (laughs) Oh yeah. I helped him so much recently. Like, you know, it wasn't for that. So I didn't want you to feel like, like I, like, I don't know, like I had something over you or like you had to, I didn't want you to pay me back. I didn't want you to feel like anything was over your head or you were in any way indebted because it would have changed the structure of our relationship if that had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, I didn't want people asking me for nothing. <laughs> so I was like,
1: no, don't no, tell
4: I... people that I can, that I can help them. Like,
1: <laughs> I got that. While we, while we talking about this, I want to, I want to bring this up too. I was talking, uh, to Charlemagne, Right. And I, cause I always, I mean, me and you both tap in like, yo, like, what do you think? Or, yeah, like
4: know. we we talk at least once a week. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, we respect his mind or whatever. So we'll just jump on the phone. I, and I hit him. I was like, yo, like, because I'm, I'm going to read this post to you. I said, I'm not going to lie. The bigger my platform gets and the more people I help, the more I resent people with bigger platforms who do nothing. Yeah. And so I posted that because that's how I was feeling, right? And so I hit Charlotte and I was like, yo, like, do you ever feel like this? Mm. And he was like, all the time. And I was yeah. like, okay, so I'm not crazy. Yeah. And he was like, nah, it's it's the truth. I'm like, okay, for sure. Because I'm just like, I'm, I am I look at the minuscule role that I might play in different people's lives or influence that I might have or a platform that I might have. I don't look at it like like how you say, oh, you got the show and this and that. I don't look at myself that way. Our perception of self is always different than others. So I'm looking at it like, what more can I do mm. with the little bit of that I do have? Like with the $300 that you did have at that time, what else can I do? To help someone else that might need it at the time, or what else can not monetary, just advice. Yeah. So give me some game, you know, um, inspire somebody, yeah. whatever the case. Do and
4: what you can with what you have,
1: your resources that are available. So I was looking, and so that's the conversation I had with him, and I was just like, because he does so much, yeah, for so many people that people don't even know that he does, and I'd be like, he has to share this feeling that I have because. I'll be looking around and, and, and the big homies always told me never count another man's pockets. Don't count other people's pockets. Cause then you'll always be in competition with other people as opposed to bettering yourself. Mm. And so I was, but I was like, damn, if I have this platform and I can help this many people and you have that platform, how many people are, could you be helping that you're not? And so now I'm naturally resentful towards people yeah. who I shouldn't even care what they're doing but the more people I help and the the more people I see they're in need of inspiration of just self-worth yes and it's just like so many things like that that bothers me when I see selfishness displayed or when I see extreme vanity or different things and different people
4: you despise vanity and conceit I have never met someone (laughs) like This will be, so me and head probably talk on the phone once a week. I would say at least like, um, and we'll just like whenever we get a free chance in the car, like we'll just like shoot the, you know, shoot the shit or whatever. Like, yeah. Like, okay, we got 20 minutes on this drive. Um, I remember we were talking a couple weeks ago and you had brought up somebody that you were just like, you know, I, I just don't think that (laughs) they have like, the work ethic that it takes for like what their position requires. And I'm like, well, what is it really, you know, what is it really about this person that, that just like gets under your skin and you're like, have you seen how many selfies they have on Instagram?
1: It literally bothers (laughs) me. I
4: fell out laughing. You're like, you could see the conceit right there. Do you see how many selfies are on their page every day? It
1: literally bothers (laughs) me because, because what I'm looking at again, like I said, I'm doing 10 years of makeup work. So I'm looking at you got this platform and you have this access that people would literally die for. Yeah. Like imagine you being when you first started interning for Romeo and DJ and they were like, hey, you know, we're going to put you on full time contract. You're going to be like that would have meant everything to you. Yes. Right. Facts. When I got my position, that shit meant er- the last I'll tell you some I'm gonna tell you some shit I've never told anyone. I was actually saving it for my book. The last time I cried well, no, Nip Nipsey passed was the last time I cried. But the fir- the first time I cried in years was when I got my contract mm. at iHeart, right? So I'm lit I'm gonna tell you the truth. This is a real story. Nobody one's ever I never even told Chuck this shit, right? So I'm sitting on the, I'm literally sitting on the toilet, taking my morning, my morning throne, you know. Ugh. And I'm looking at my looking I, I
4: really didn't want to visualize that. I'm sorry. That
1: I had. I'm sorry. And I'm looking at my phone and it said, and then I got an email from Doc, Doc Winter. He's like, hey head, here's your contract. Look over it. You know, congratulations. Let me know. And I read my contract and it was like, I heart Media wants, blah, 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 blah. DJ head, f- full time. Da, 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 da. Here's your pay. Here's your Here's your benefit thing. Here's your, your, your bonus scale. And I'm, and I just start tearing up and I was like, oh shit, like this is what it means to feel something. Cause I don't know what that's like on a regular basis. Cause I'm just, I just not invested like that in my feelings. And I was like, damn. And what it was, was I think it was just the validation of the 15 years yeah, or I'm sorry, the what is it? I don't know. 11 10, years,
4: hours and yeah, 11 years. It was
1: just a validation of 11 years where I couldn't get in the building mm. 11 years. It took me to get in the building in that way. And it was just like, damn. Yeah. And so that meant more to me than actually signing it and, mm. you know, doing all the hoopla and announcement, all that just to get the offer. Yeah. And it was like, for me, it was one of those things where, like you said, where you rediscover who you are and it, it helped me to rediscover who I am, what my purpose is. It revitalized that when you was taking pictures of me in the studio, because mm-hmm. of that, obviously it, it diminishes over time, right? Yeah. So as, as, as it kept diminishing over time, that re-kicked it in. Mm-hmm. And so when I take those two moments, you taking pictures of me, make-believing, right? In front of the board, in front of the mic, <laughs> me getting a contract to offer me a full-time radio position in my hometown. Mm-hmm. And then I look at other people who have platforms who take it for granted. Yeah. It literally infuriates me. Yeah. I get so fucking mad. I'm sorry to curse, but I get so mad and I just be like, bro, like, do you know what this would mean to somebody else Yeah, that you, and you take it for granted? So, it's not necessarily the vanity. It's the entitlement that I have a problem with. Yeah. And I look at vanity as another sense of entitlement. And I hate entitlement. I hate entitlement on every level. Mm-hmm. I don't like that people are entitled to anything, everything in life because life owes you nothing. Mm-hmm. And I've been there. I've been there multiple times. I remember, yeah. I remember my mom. I literally remember my mom asking people to let us spend the night. Like, and I was seven. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I was five. Like I literally remember my mom standing there like, yeah, you know, just we need a couple of days. I remember that shit. And so that when I take all of that, right. And then I couple it up and then I look at somebody who's completely entitled and completely privileged in every way. And it's just like, like, I could really cuss you the fuck out right now. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like,
0: well,
4: Especially because, and it's like, we all have like our spiritual curriculum and whatever mm-hmm. arrives us to the path that we're at. But it's like, I can definitely feel you when it's like you're, you are observing someone exist with no gratitude at the moment. Correct. You know, like, cause I think that's, that's really what it is too. And it's like, when you have the chance to have a big platform or live a big life, mm-hmm. you know, you can move out of the space of feeling like, a feeling like you're lucky to be there. Like you don't have to like minimize yourself because you're in the room and constantly be in a state of, Oh, thank you. Thank you. But you should always in whatever you're doing, have an overall gratitude for being able to be who you are in that moment mm-hmm. and live life in the way that you're living it. You know?
1: I think the moments like that too, Like even when I got I, last year, last year I got my mom a house and that was like a goal that That's I always, that I always had like, I mean it's not paid off and shit but uh, we were no, able to Well that's
4: a big deal. But
1: that to me was like
4: I won. Especially cuz you chose to get her a house before you got yourself a house. I still I
1: live mean- in a studio apartment that's no bigger than <laughs> you yeah, know I think my I think my studio apartment is 530 square feet or something like that maybe 600 if that total kitchen <laughs> bathroom wow. right right So um still right now to this day and I think that that was just for me that's been a goal that i've had since we've been on welfare and i I remember my mom giving because i used to stay with you know my my wife i call it my white family um i used to stay with them my mom would give them food stamps because i would i would stay there at their house and so my mom would give them food stamps like to make up for food that i was eating at the house whatever because they would let me stay so that way i can go to school in a better area than where i grew up at i mean than where i was living and so my mom would give her food stamps and then um I remember like, just like the struggle, like the struggle of it. And I was just like, I need to, my mom has never owned anything. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, that's what I wanted. That's been a goal for my, of mine for, I don't know, 30 years. I'm 35 now. So I don't know, 10, 20 years. That's been a goal of mine. Like, I want to buy my mom a house, something that's ours right? That she never has to worry about them kicking us out again. She never has to worry about somebody changing their mind. Oh, you can't stay here anymore. Like, this is yours. Mm. And so that's what when I finally was able to do that and we took a picture in front of the house and it was like, okay, I won. Mm. I could lose everything right now. And I feel like I won. I won. I I beat you. Like, that's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They could fire me from my job, take me off of TV. Everything. I could lose everything and I can go right down, right, right over there where she lives and get a job at Walmart. And I feel like I won. Yeah. Because we have something that we didn't have when I started. Mm. And so now that's that's the level of gratitude I want people to have. Yeah. And they just don't share that. And that infuriates me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That literally bothers me. So that's kind of like where i would be coming from with that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. You gotta stop letting it bother you. Cause everything is perfectly designed, you know, Mm -hmm. everything is perfectly designed. And I think you being exactly who you are in the way that you are, you're always just going to be leaps and bounds ahead. And the quality of life that you live will speak for itself. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: that makes sense. I think, I think, um, another thing too, that's big that I'm big on at this point is manifestation. And a kind of a gripe that I used to have coming to come to grips with where we're like where we are spiritually at this mm-hmm. point and tune like you say you love yourself. That's yeah. something that's lacking in our community. Yeah. And I feel like but I never even heard of word manifestation until I was an adult. Mm-hmm. I never even knew what a law of attraction was until I was a right. full blown adult because that's not prevalent in our community. Right. No one's teaching these things. No one's talking about it. It's just about survive, survive, survive. And so now that I have this opportunity to like delve into spirituality and growth and doing the work on yourself and all this other kind of stuff it's like damn i'm kind of resentful to the fact that that's not available to me where i'm so now that's another engine in my back to like get this message out to people that look like me and look like us and come from where we come from to tell them the truth and the truth is this stuff is real you know, self worth is a thing. Yeah. If you don't value yourself, you're never gonna be anything because that's what it starts with. Manifestation is a real thing, and so those are the types of things that I'm trying to like. That's that's like my underlining agenda. Yeah. And so what I it's an analogy we use in the music in, in the music industry, me and the homies is like, I don't care why you come in the room. If you come in the room because I'm playing your favorite record, cool. If you listen to me on the radio and you think I'm funny, cool. If you like the witty jokes i get off on instagram and that's why you fuck with me cool if you like the, the if you like the television stuff that i do cool come in the room and once i got you in the room i'm gonna say something real mm. i'm gonna provide you with something that you can leave with and better yourself with yeah so that's kind of like the get in the room method that i'm using trying to that's the underlying undertone of my agenda basically. i
4: love that it's really the oprah effect yeah yeah i love that and i mean what you just described is exactly Like why I feel I was led to like start Caramel Bliss and and just even do this podcast, you know, because I realized like the lessons, the gems, you know, they're not to be hoarded. Your testimony isn't to be hoarded, not to just keep under wraps for yourself. Like you have to share Mm -hmm. and that completes the circle. Like if you are gifted in this life to become self-aware, to heal yourself, to figure out who you are, to, to accept who you are. Mm -hmm. It is part of your destiny to also share that with other people. You have to complete your life circle. Yeah, you don't just get to keep it for yourself and reap all the benefits. You know.
1: I think um, last thing too is um, being able to being able to accept the blessings is a that's something that I've I've worked on, and I just took my literally. I've been I'm 35. I took my first vacation ever last year. This Mm. year, this year, I went to Anguilla with Charlemagne. Right. That's literally the, f- I've never taken a vacation in my life. Wow. And I was just like, and, and I'm, it was way more expensive than, I'm, I'm not rich. So. And
4: so expensive, uh, by the
1: way. Every plate is $40 to Yo. eat. Like, I, And it's, anyway, long story short, it was just like, it, it ate me yeah. up, right? Because I'm not, I'm not balling. I got a regular job. Like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not none of that. So it's just like, but. Charlemagne been trying to get me to do it for a couple of years. Like right. I'm telling you, my brother, you gotta go. Da, 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 you gotta do it. You gotta exp- you gotta feel that shit. You gotta exp- the
4: waters of angular the- Healy.
1: Yeah, yeah, all of that. Yeah. Right. He's doing. It. He could write the marketing campaign for them. So I, I finally was like, all right, I'm gonna do it, no matter what it costs. And that took a lot out of me. Not only financially, but it took a lot out of me mentally because I every dollar I spend makes sense in my mind. Mm. I don't spend money at all on nothing i don't buy clothes i don't buy i don't buy stuff i'm not a consumer because i'm always in survival survival mode going back to my childhood so i think that's a big part of it too once you get to a place where there are blessings you have to be willing to accept the blessings and that that,
4: and that's probably like what this next leg of your journey is yeah it's like like deprogramming unlearning all the ways in which you you used to see yourself see money see emotions you know it's kind of doing the the dance of just slowly unbraiding things that don't serve you anymore
1: yep nah for 100 i think that's the truth
4: we gotta get out of here okay i love you to the moon and (laughs) back you are one of my favorite humans um i'm just really you know i feel the same way that you're in my life and i i just completely celebrate you. I'm I'm amazed and in full admiration and awe of all that you have become and all that you are becoming and continue to do. And you're just a light man. And you're, you're so supremely talented and you're so respected and so beloved and you do so much for so many people. And thank you. I'm just grateful for your life.
1: Thank you. Same. You know, I feel the same way. I love you too.
4: Are you sharing emotion right now?
1: I mean, it's a thought. <laughs> with emotion attached to it.
4: Make sure you check him out. His new show is on Netflix, Rhythm and Flow. He has the number one night show in Los Angeles on Real 92.3 with Bootleg Kev. So make sure you check them out. And um, his Instagram is hilarious. <laughs> so follow very,
1: him. Very, very um, adult friendly content. <laughs>
4: <laughs> At DJ Head. Head is spelled H E D. Yes. DJ Head. All right. Till next time, y'all. Peace. Big thank you for listening to this episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. This show is executive produced by Adrian Scott and me, Debbie Brown. Our theme music was created by producer Day One and the poem that you heard at the beginning of the show. Well, that was created especially for us by award-winning poet Namdi Okafor. If you have a quick moment right now, please hit subscribe on the show. And if you like what you heard, take it a step further and give us a five star rating. Until next time, you connect with me on IG at Debbie Brown or my website, DebbieBrown.com. Be blessed. T
3: connects an ode to podcasts.